It's time for Hawk Central. From the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station. Welcome to a live edition of Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. Me, Ross Peterson, Chad Leistico, and Mark Emmert from the Des Moines Register live with you until 7 o'clock tonight. Lots of Hawkeye stuff to get through. Chad Leistico, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming in. Doing really well. I overbooked us again, didn't they, I? You, don't, you always are afraid of that, but we <laughs> always manage to get through the majority of it. Mark Emmert, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well. How about you, Ross? I'm doing well. Had a good day today. I'm ready for the winter to be over like everybody else. So, you know, I'm not sure how excited I am to talk football right now on a day I'm, I'm ready for spring, but it does still feel like football weather, so let's do this. You have, Actually, there is some football stuff today, Chad, because yeah. you've had some time with the coordinators here since our last conversation, right? Always insightful, and the, and the best part about getting to talk to these guys at this point in the spring is they've seen 80% of the practices, if not more, um, so they actually have information as opposed to like week one where we're asking coaches like, how, how are you looking? You know, it's like, well, we've had two practices, uh, none in pads. Coordinator no, But this was interesting. Phil Parker, I thought was actually pretty, uh, had, I thought Phil Parker had a lot of news. And then I think Brian Ferentz probably um, brought more philosophy. So I thought we would start with Phil Parker. I think that's a great idea. Let's start with some of the news. Then we'll get to some of uh, Brian Ferentz philosophies or philosophizing. Uh, what did we learn from Phil Parker? Mark, I know you wrote about the linebackers. Should we start with that? Yeah. Yeah, that was the biggest thing I thought. We, apparently we've, we've named three starting linebackers, so that's all done. <laughs> Competition over. Yeah. Uh, right. Bring on September. Sounds <laughs> good. All yeah. right. So, no, they so, haven't. so that's yeah, done. To be clear, they haven't named <laughs> He surprised us when he, uh, we asked him, like, if he had a game this week, who would he start? And he actually answered the question. And it's, uh, Amani Jones in the middle and, Aaron Menz on the weak side, and then Ben Neiman, as we kind of thought on the outside. But that's a that's a switch from the beginning of spring because at the beginning of spring they had Christian Welch in the number one line at middle, and yeah. Amani Jones at the number two line on the weak side. And those guys have now flipped. And uh, Amani Jones, he, he praised him uh, repeatedly for his his leadership. It sounds like he's kind of the top dog now hmm. in that linebacker group. He's the hardest hitter, and. Uh... Uh, Mark, you made you made the same exact mistake, but I just will point out that Phil Parker made you. Co- you said Ben Neiman was starting. I don't think he has any more eligibility. Uh-oh. Oh my gosh, um, Nick Neiman! Nick Neiman is the outside. I didn't linebacker. even catch that, Chad. I I knew he. I don't, I, Phil Parker didn't catch himself yesterday. Yeah, either, so. <laughs> and they look a lot, they look a lot alike That's, too. Yeah, it's, it maybe it's the same guy. Really haven't. <laughs> that'd be sneaky. That would be pretty sneaky, Mark. How how did sh- you police that? Everybody? How sure are you that those are the three guys that we see on uh, in the opening week? Well, it's still April, so we're not sure. But it's, it's just interesting that that that's even. Uh, I mean, it just sounded like there was a little bit of separation there. Okay, that's kind of what I gathered is that that Amani Jones has kind of seized the control of that middle linebacker spot, maybe away from Christian Welch, who we thought at the beginning of the spring was probably the uh, next guy in. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, that's the most interesting thing that he said. Actually, the most interesting thing that either guy said yesterday personally was that that uh, just all the uh, the accolades for Amani Jones. My read on this is Amani. They've compartmentalized these guys. It seems like now into the two positions. They used to be kind of four guys battling for the best two. Now it feels like they've they've moved on to Amani Jones. I feel sounds like the clear number one at middle with Jack Hockaday as his backup. And then actually, if I'm reading into this correctly, uh, you do have Aaron Men starting right now. But I think Christian Welch is probably going to battle him at that weak side linebacker mm. um, yeah. all summer long. That'd be my guess. That'll yeah. be just how they've done that in the past. I don't want to say fun. It'll be interesting to watch. It's key to get that middle guy figured out though. The guy that called he's the guy yeah. that 
calls the stuff out, call, makes the line calls. Um, yeah, so, and, and it sounds because he was playing both, and I think he was confused. Yeah. Both, so I, he you know, said he, he was. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I think that he actually told us. <laughs> Sometimes I get confused out there. So yeah, give give him an actual spot and uh, let him settle in there. And then, and he mentioned the Barrington Wade again. We've heard this a few times now. As he is kind of pushing uh, Nick Neiman at the, <laughs> at the outside spot. So that's probably not settled yet. Although I still think Nick Neiman just sounds like he's a really, really good athlete. Now let's step up to the line because uh, AJ Epinesa, the name that I think most people are curious about there with that defensive line. What's your feel, or what did you get from Phil Parker about defensive line? Mark? Well, he uh, he's actually the one thing he said about Epinesa is uh, that he's actually playing both sides now, both right and left, which is he's excited about that. Phil said, and you know Phil doesn't get very excited about much, at least not in front of us. But uh, he also did spend the, most of that. Uh, answer to that question, talking about how well um, what FNS needs to get better at, uh, which is you know the communication part of things. Uh, so listening, hear, listen better yeah. um, out there. And so it sounds like uh, he's kind of trying to. My take was he's trying to kind of keep that kid grounded a little bit, not let him mm. get too big of a head. Just both all, uh, you know, all praise all the time. So I'm sure he's still a he's still in their plans. He's still you know probably the best athlete they have in that defensive line, but they're not ready to say this guy's a superstar in the making. Let's you know make him an All-American right now. So. Mark, because, and Chad, maybe this is for you too, because they've got a couple other guys that they're happy at defensive end, and this is obviously kind of a special talent, which is best for, for the Hawkeyes and for A.J. Epinesa, that he moves around, that he gets good at, at on both sides, or is it better for him to focus and figure out that he is a right end or a left end? Which is, Mark, what, what's the plan here, or is there a, is there a plan? Well, I'm sure the plan is to have him excel at both, and that's that's mm-hmm. that's exactly what they should do. Okay. Keep the other teams guessing. Okay, um, he can line up either way. Nobody's going to know until he gets on the field which side he's going to be on. That's that's one guy they're going to have to account for, you know, every time, especially in passing situations. So, um, and I should point out, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Parker Hesse apparently has suffered a slight injury and won't play in the Friday uh, open practice, open scrimmage, whatever they're going to call that. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, and then they moved uh, Sam Brinks inside. A little bit, partially. Yes. With that. Yeah. So that's the second guy that now we've heard this spring that they moved from end to tackle, at least to, to take a look at him. Not necessarily at least to stay there forever, but uh, yeah. that was kind of interesting too. Chad, that seems like kind of throwing some things at that defensive tackle problem, right? Yeah, it it, it almost feels like they're using that offensive line philosophy of get the best five guys on the field on an offensive line. Um, it almost feels like they're they're going that direction with the defensive line because they don't have that true space-eating defensive tackle. I mean, obviously Cedric Lattimore's, uh, you know, going to be a defensive tackle, he, you know, 6'5", 295. But outside of him, Iowa doesn't have any real large bodies there. So yeah. so yeah. you're seeing uh, some Sam Brinks. You're seeing Chauncey Golston there. Those are two guys I'm really interested to see at, at tackle on Friday night. Um, obviously still Brady Reef was mentioned um, in that spot. So I think he's got a home as kind of the next Nathan Budgeta type guy. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I've been saying that I'm that's concerned concern. about this position more than I, everyone says. Defensive line is yeah. going to be a strength, but I'm. And you're not worried about I'm, the ends. You're worried about the, the tackles. Tackles, yeah. yeah, the tackles. Because when you, especially with the young linebackers uh, or inexperienced linebackers, you, you know, if those guys aren't doing their jobs, you're putting a lot on those linebackers' shoulders. And I think Josie and Bo Bauer, you know, kind of patched some things yeah, over last that's a good year. Good point, Chad. So. Anyway, all right, Mark. Let's uh, before we get to offense, let's uh, step back and look at defensive backs. Obviously, some big holes to fill back there. Is there was there any real news from uh, Coach Parker? 
Yeah, I actually, that's what I wrote about for tomorrow's paper. I think the story is up on HawkCentral.com now. The more I thought about that, the more I think they're really, really set at defensive back. It seems like a real strength of this team, uh, even without Josh uh, Jackson, because uh, they've got four really good safeties coming back. And uh, I think it's an open question of, we talk about the defensive end being such a position of strength, but I'm not sure safety is maybe the clearest position of strength in that whole defense. Yeah, I you like know, that. Gervas, Amani Hooker now I think is he I mean Nick is a potential star. We saw him make plays all over the field when he was healthy last year at both spots in safety. Now they're talking about him maybe even plotting into linebacker in certain situations. He mentioned, I thought this was interesting, Chad, he mentioned Amani uh, Hooker three times in questions that weren't about Monty Hooker. Yeah. I look back at the transcript. He just kept bringing the guy up. Um, so I think that, there's a kid that's got a chance to be maybe the next All-American back there in the defensive secondary. And then, of course, Brandon Snyder's coming back. Geno Stone looked really good. And it's also the position where they bring in it's – the, it's the strength of this recruiting class, too. I right. think it's probably the defensive secondary, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And a cornerback, of course, it's, uh, it's Ojemudia and Hankins that start now, and, and they're talking about Rogamba as the, as the nickel guy. But to me, that whole, that whole thing hinges on how well Rogamba bounces back because if he's the kind of player that we saw two years ago – and Parker was kind of pointed in his commentary. He said that he just thought he lost his focus last year, but he started listening a little bit too much to the praise that was being heaped upon him. Didn't work as hard. Didn't manage his time as well. And we saw him have a bad season last year, uh, certainly a lot worse than people thought he would be. But if he can be the guy that, that shows the talent and has maybe the, the desire to be the great player that we thought he was going to be two years ago, now you got three really good cornerbacks, too, uh, plus a couple more freshmen coming in that he says he's going to play one or two of those freshmen. So I think... The defensive secondary, you're talking about maybe 10, 11 guys that can really play back there. Wow. Uh, I think that's really encouraging if you're a Hawkeye fan. And you know those guys will see time on special teams at Middle. Yeah, right. So, um, right, right. So very valuable guys back there. Let's move on to anything else with defense, Chad, before we move to Brian Ferentz. I know no. he had some. I uh, don't think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ferentz gave you a couple of quotes that you have passed on to us. I'm just going to kind of read these and maybe we'll get – your opinion on this, get Mark's kind of uh, breakdown of some of this, okay? So Chad gave us five good quotes. Um, one on the passing game, one on Nate Stanley, one on running backs and tight ends, and one on Brandon Smith. But the first one's just kind of generic here. This is the quote from Brian Ferentz. One of my favorite styles of play to watch is that Halma-Mike Leach air raid system. I love watching those guys. I'm thoroughly enthralled by how they do things. In fact, I would argue there's a lot of parallels between what they do and what we do. What do you think of that, Ross? Uh, Iowa runs air raid. Did you know that? Uh, some Hawkeye fans are wondering if he watches the same Mike Leach <laughs> that, that we all see. That's, uh, that's interesting, I think, Chad. It, I'm, going, I, I'm open for some discussion on this, but I'll, my knee-jerk reaction to this is, what the heck is he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the the uh, he said uh, basically the those air raid teams basically run six plays. I mean, he's obviously simplifying it here, which is kind of what Iowa does. They don't really run a lot of different plays, but they just run a lot of stuff off those plays, and that's exactly what um, kind of Brian Ferentz's uh, whole press conference was all about yesterday, right, Mark? I mean, just it was um, talking about the, kind of his philosophy of of reading defenses and and finding mismatches. And and that's kind of what it's all about. And and to be a good offense, basically, he he pretty much said the players have to be really, absolutely, you know, uh, experts almost in this system that they're trying to run. It is com. Everyone thinks it's so simple, but it is rather complex. And uh, that's basically what it comes down to. It's about seeing what you need to see and being on the same page. And there's a lot that goes into it. Obviously, he comes from. Uh, you know the Bill Belichick 
kind of coaching tree there. Um, and we've seen that, you know, that's how they do things. Um, so that's, that's what he's basically trying to implement. And I like, I like it because, uh, there's a lot of upside there if you, if you can kind of crack that code. Mark, what's your reaction to this? Yeah, I think yeah, he's not talking about this as the same style. What he's saying is that, you know, we run the, we have to really be experts in what we do. Like everybody has to know the six plays and, and the variations of each play, you know, and, and run them proficiently in order for us to be successful. They're not going to start being a no huddle team. But uh, if they can get that style implemented and be master it, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's hard to stop. I mean, that, that goes back. That's football 101. I mean, that goes back to the old Packers of the 60s. Like, everybody knew what they were running. Just couldn't stop it because they ran it so well. And I think that's what he's talking about. Okay. You sell me on it a little bit. But, man, when he says, yeah, those air raid systems, that's what we run, that, that's confusing to me because it's just <laughs> – He just said parallels. I understand. Yeah. And I get yeah. that, yeah. that he yeah. says yeah. there are some parallels and – you know, having nuance off of a a six play, eight play system, I get that. I think you explained it well, and but it deserved explaining because when you read it, you go, "What? Yeah, Iowa? I know. That's why I put it in there." Brian Ferentz <laughs> on the passing game. Here's the quote: "What we're trying to do is throw the ball efficiently, so we want to make sure our completion percentage hopefully is up there over sixty percent. That's where we'd like it to be. We were fifty seven last year. That's just not good enough. The yardage isn't as important." The last part in there I thought was worth a discussion. The yardage isn't as yeah. important. What do you guys think of that? that? I'll tell you, that doesn't surprise me nearly as much as the first comments because I've said this for a long time that you know it's they do best when they have a quarterback that keeps it out of the ditch. If you don't turn the ball over and that, that ball control offense is a huge part of that, it'd be nice to have 25-yard passes down the field, but that offense is – most effective just when it has a quarterback that's not taking those big chances and putting the ball in the defensive hands. So I, this one, I, I, I see that in what I watch with Iowa football a lot more than a Mike Leach air raid style system, I would say. Mm-hmm. That having a quarterback, they do emphasize this. This is why we don't see the Hawks throw the ball, you know, go take the top off the defense a lot of times because they know that's a low completion or low percentage play. So mm-hmm. this makes sense to me. Mark, is that this? When I hear yeah. that, I go, "Yeah, that's Hawkeye football." I, I kind of, and that's actually the most interesting thing I thought he said yesterday because I didn't really thought about that. But if they can get that percentage up from fifty-seven to sixty-five, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, that, obviously that's going to lead to more first downs and more yards just naturally, um, and you know, more efficient offense, yep. um, more time of possession, everything they want. Um, so that's uh, that's I think that is the next step for for Stanley anyway. Well, he's just, uh, just to be that more accurate. I mean, he said that too, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. And so that'd, be, that'd be a big help for this offense, yeah. Yeah, Brian, and he made very clear yesterday, They, and it is true, Iowa's just not good when you get into second and 10, third and 10, yeah. third and 16, whatever. So if, you get, if you're at, looking at second and four, I think that's where he feels like they can do their most damage. Um, with any, You can do anything, man. If you can complete that six-yard pass on first down, then, you can, yeah. then the, the whole playbook's open on, on second down. Whereas... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we saw it time and time again last year. Um, nothing on first down, either incomplete or yeah. stuffed run. And um, then you're a lot of three and outs last year. A ton of three. Yeah. That's why you go from zero offensive points one week to 55 the next. I mean, all over the map last year. He wants that consistency. Anyway. Mark, I did notice you jumped that up a little bit. Brian Ferentz in his quote says, hey, we like to be above 60%. Last year we were at 57 He's in, in, too low. 
And you say it's 65 is really where you're trying to shoot yeah. to shoot for. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's the way football's moving. I mean, just look at yeah. everywhere. Like, completion percentage is, uh, 57% completion percentage is really not good anymore. That's kind of the knock on uh, Josh Allen, right? The, yeah. The good Wyoming point. quarterback, when they talk about his draft prospects, is he didn't complete enough passes at a percentage. Like, Baker, Baker Mayfield's the other example of the other end. So they want, he was up close to 70. So I think that that is exactly the way the game's being played now, is that you should be completing probably in the mid 60s to be an effective. Uh, passing offense. Coach Brian Ferentz had another quote, uh, this one specifically on Nate Stanley. It, the quote goes like this, we have a quarterback who's closer to the mastery of the system. With that, I think, is going to come some production. Because really, when you're talking about the quarterback, an offense is just a tool set. It's a set of tools. There it is, in your toolbox. The problem is, you're a guy who's in your first year, you don't necessarily know which tools to bust out when. Chad, well, I, I told you philosophy. This here, is man. that is philosophy, and this is something that you've been talking about yeah. since the beginning of, of spring football. That this is kind of a repeated theme that you've heard from the coaching staff. That Nate Stanley's familiarity with the playbook is going to be the biggest yeah. turning point in the season. Yeah, and that, that was my first column of the spring. I think wasn't it, Mark? That the, basically the, yeah. the season kind of rides on Nate Stanley's shoulders. I mean, because if they don't have this this ringleader out there, uh, who they trust to read plays and make changes uh i mean brian even said 50 percent of the time um he's changing the play um on on run plays uh you got if, if you don't have that guy if out you there, don't the know which crumbles. tools that's a system a really good way for him to say it i think mark if yeah. you don't know which tools to reach into the toolbox for you you can't be a master at that craft right yeah i mean it's, it's uh it seems obvious but yeah and i think that's chad's right but i mean Stanley has to take a leap from year one to year two. You would expect that he would, mm-hmm. but uh, that has to happen for I would have any chance to be successful this year. I agree. That has been a common theme we've heard that that he is yep. has progressed very very quickly and um, is on to the refining points of the offense rather than the big picture stuff. I think when they, he mentions the toolbox, I think he's I think he's also t- he's he's mainly talking about the different things that Nate can change into and look to right. as that, opposed to, yeah, that's I've right got, here. okay, I'm thinking A and yeah. B at most mm-hmm. as a first-year starter. Yeah. Maybe now he's thinking A, B, C, D, E. Well, and that kind of goes back to yeah. the Leach right. thing, that, the first thing. You know, if you're going to go in there with a yeah. set of right. six, eight basic plays, you better know yeah. 30 different avenues to take off of those six or eight different plays. Exactly. And they, they give the quarterback a lot of latitude in that offense, too. He made that very clear, too. They're not, they're yes, not on the sidelines. Like over over coaching him. Once once he gets out there, he's the one looking at the defense. He's the one that's got to see it for it to work. I assume if Mark got some time alone with Brian Ferentz, maybe in just kind of a one on one, he asked him about the seven tight end set. We don't have any quotes on that. We do have a quote on a one running back, two tight end set. Here was Brian Ferentz's thought on that. It's one of those personnel groupings where if you have the right pieces, boy, you'd like to spend some time in it because it puts a little more pressure on the defense. I, they have the right pieces for yes, this, they do. Chad. Yeah, I think that's what he—that's what is kind of exciting about this. The prospects, I think, of this offense because you've got you've got another year of growth from from uh, Fant and Hawkinson, and another year of growth from the quarter, quarterback. And if th- if those guys are out there all the time, it's it's a, it should be unpredictable what you're going to do. I, I think on you, offense, if you've got two tight ends in the field, you could power run or you could. I mean, with somebody like Noah Fan, you can actually throw deep out of that formation. Mark, we've talked about this a lot last year. This might be the first mention of it this year. Yeah. It, you know, this is that philosophy of get your best players on the field. When you're looking at this Iowa roster 
and that offensive depth chart, I don't see how you don't put Hawkinson and Fant out there with one of your running backs, whether that be uh, Torn Young mm-hmm. or uh, uh, Kelly Martin, Kelly, yep. uh, yeah, Ivory Kelly Martin. Uh, those two guys should be out there for a good majority of your plays, right? Yeah, I think that was one of the maybe the bigger disappointments of last year is that he talked about this in the preseason last year too about finding mismatches and exploiting mismatches, and they just didn't do it enough with those tight ends. They didn't get nearly enough catches, I didn't think. Right. And so we'll see what this year brings. I'm I'm uh, going to wait and see. But, uh, I mean, he's saying the right things, but they, they don't have to actually go and do it. Because, uh, he's absolutely right. Those two guys, that, that is their biggest mismatch on offense is those two tight ends by far. And they've got other tight ends right behind them that, that I'm excited to see. Sean Byer, <laughs> Drew Cook among them. Uh, so I think they've got – I do think the possibility of, of frequent three tight end sets is not that far fetched. I'm I'm okay with Just it. Saying that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. And the final quote from Brian Ferentz is uh, in regards to Brandon Smith. Here's the quote: "We need guys that are going to keep working and keep grinding away. He's demonstrating that right now. But until he does something in a game besides fumbles on an out route, it's going to be a little bit hard to say that he's a guy we want to put in position to make plays." Oh, yikes. Emmett wrote about yeah. this. I'll let him that hurt talk. my feelings. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think maybe Mr. Ferris had read a little bit too many stories by some of us <laughs> talking about how great Brandon Smith can be. And I still think, you know, even uh, well, Copeland was talking up uh, last week, Kelton Copeland, the wide receivers coach. So it's not entirely our fault, but no. uh, I think he was just trying to tamp down. I mean, the kid did only catch three passes last year, and he fumbled one of them, as he mentioned. So <laughs> he said that actually three times he talked about until he does something on the field. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about him. So he's in, listed as the number one wide receiver, too. So Man, this is one of those. They have a little bit, little faith in him, but it doesn't sound like, you know, so basically, a little, maybe a short leash. I don't know. Yeah, they've basically been really tamping down the hype in these receivers the last couple weeks with the cell phone with Amir Smith-Marset, and, and <laughs> <laughs> they kind of build him up, and then they t- tamp him down. So, but he's right though. They got to they got to do something no, he, in September. Yeah, that's true. Yep. That is absolutely true. Uh, I, you know, Mir Smith Marset. How many times did he fumble? Two, I think. A couple. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like how I I don't I don't know I'm not I don't understand it. I don't understand motivation tactics like this. And I get yeah. it. Every guy is different. Brian Ferentz knows these kids a heck of a lot better than I do. He knows what makes them tick. And I'm sure that's what this is more than anything else is a way to communicate with Brandon Smith. But when I hear that, my first instinct is, well, you've never said anything like that. And we've asked you about Amir Smith-Marset. It's always been how talented the kid is, how great he's going to be, how much faith you have in the guy. Huh, interesting. So anyway, when we get back, we're going to talk about some of those rule changes coming up in the NCAA. Kickoff rule changes coming, and what's that mean? Because, uh, of course, Mark, he loves him some kickers and some kickoff returners. We'd hate <laughs> to have that uh, affection affected in any way. When we get back, we'll find out if that's the case. Mark Emmert, Chad Lysico from the Des Moines Register, here with Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO. It's Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. About 29 minutes remaining here in our program. If you'd like to take part, Two eight four five nine six six. I think now would be a good time for us maybe to uh, invite some phone calls, Chad, because this isn't necessarily a Hawkeye conversation that we wanted to have. Uh, just general college football. They're going to be changing some rules. College football will look slightly different next year. You want to talk about what some of these rules are and the specific changes like kickoffs? Yeah, that's – I mean, 
since I kind of uh, control the show here, I, I want to yeah. miss. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it's fine with I, me. Yeah. No, the kick this this kickoff role. Have you guys talked about it on, on a little Sports bit? Fanatics? Yeah, I don't. I'm, I really don't think we've given yeah. it maybe enough. I, I just. Uh, I, I, I'm glad we have Mark Emmert on the show too because. Um, this is a player safety thing, and he's Mark's written a lot about concussions, so I know that that is at the heart of this rule. Um, let me break down the rule quick. Uh, so, re- you know, a couple of years ago, whatever it was, they moved touchbacks to the twenty-five yard line, right? Mm-hmm. So, what you saw a lot of in Iowa was really good at this last year, like really good. Um, would hit pop-ups that would land between the zero and five-yard line that that would have a lot of hang time. Teams would, you know be lucky to get past the 15 and you'd have you know those gunners flying down and making big hits whatever so now they're trying to eliminate those types of kickoffs by saying you can fair catch this is so strange you can fair catch a kickoff inside the 25 between the zero and 25 and it is the same as a touchback so in other words you can just wave your hand at the 12 catch it and ball gets placed like it as though it went into the end zone. So, my question then becomes: Number well, let's. Is it a good rule? First, is that a, is that a smart rule? Oh man, I, I hate to do this, Chad, but it depends on what you want to do. If if player safety is the concern, then yeah, it is. Then why even have kickoffs? That's my and point. that and and that's part of this conversation. Like, what do you do with an onside kick? Yeah, how does right. if a team's down fourteen points That's and they score with it. thirty seconds left? How do you give that chance an opportunity? That team a chance, an opportunity to stay in the game? And I know they've come up with some wild. Greg Schiano, we just talked about this last hour. Greg Schiano has an idea of putting the ball at the offense's thirty-yard line and basically lining it up like a fourth and fifteen. Have you seen this, Mark? Yeah. Um, and 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 then you are basically giving Chad one play to try to extend this drive again 70 yards from your own end zone. Hmm. Mark, how do you, uh, I'd just love to get your opinion on this. What do you think about the rule changes? What do you think about Greg Schiano's wrinkle? Well, that one's a little wild. I, I mean, the rule change, I mean, you're right. They're trying to get rid of the kickoffs, and they're eventually, I think that's what they're going to do with them. They're just not going to have kickoffs, which I think is, is fine with me. I don't think it's, uh, I'm not married to kickoffs. I do think it's a, Needlessly dangerous play for a lot of players. I mean, you have guys running at each other at full speed. So uh, I'd love it if they get rid of the timeouts after before and after kickoffs. Do the TV timeouts. That'd be really great. If they're going to do this, <laughs> but uh, they will. Have, they are going to have to find some mechanism, right, to, to allow for teams to try to get the ball back when they're trailing late in the game. Uh, yeah. And I think they'll. I think they'll figure that out. But it'll probably take five years or so. So in the meantime, they're going to do this thing, which is you know, it's it's kind of a weird. Like Chad's right, it's going to be weird to see guys potentially calling for fair catches you know, on kickoffs. Because um, we haven't seen that before, it's just going to be something different. It's just see often it happens, but like um, you know, I mean, at some point they, they should just get rid of the kickoff. If that's what they want to do, and I think that is what they want to do. So this is some kind of interim step they're taking. Okay, so uh, somebody, uh, I, w- I wish I had it called up. I'm really sorry if you're if you're listening. Uh, a follower on Twitter uh, had this idea for a rule, and I really like this. If you kick a, an unreturnable kickoff touchback to the twenty. If you have this situation, I'm okay. I think that's, yeah, I like that idea. It, it, that way, that you reward the kickoff, yeah, for uh, getting with, getting the distance there and yeah. getting it into the end zone. I like that. Yeah, I like that. No, I'm I'm with you, Mark. If if their goal is to get rid of kickoffs, and I think that is the it plan, is. Um, yep. uh, this is this is fine. This is the evolution of it. This is the step to take before you just eliminate it. 
They'll probably roll out some funky ideas like Greg Schiano's along the way. Uh, you know, in 10 years, are there even kickers on college football teams, Mark? Well, they'll still have field goals. And extra points? No, yeah, no one's talking about getting rid of those. Okay. And you still would need a, potentially an onside kicker, a designated onside kicker for <laughs> that situation or whatever they're going to do there. Yeah. So, yeah, they'll still be kickers. Okay. There, I saw, I heard a rule or a proposal the other day about somebody was saying that, uh, I think it was in the NFL, they're saying that if, if you can kick a ball through the uprights on, the, on your kickoff, you should get a point for that. So everybody would be trying to kick the ball <laughs> through the end zone to try to get that extra po- that point. That's kind of interesting, too. <laughs> That's so An silly. undefended play where these, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Just, just if I can get one point, if I can, get, if I can kick it 70 yards in the air through that upright with no one defending me, uh, I get a point. Otherwise, it's a touchback, and you get it at 25 or 30 or whatever they're going to give it to them. The NFL's yeah. version of a free throw. Cool. I would rather. Yeah, yeah. I just Mark I, uh, in the press box every week. I'm I'm always. I don't know why this is kind of a pet peeve topic for me. <laughs> yeah. Every time there's a touchback, I can vouch for this. <laughs> I just think a touchback I know where this is going. <laughs> starting at the twenty five is good. Like yeah, if you yeah. if guys running out of the guys that run out of the end zone are crazy. I, they I never get yeah, past the twenty. Yeah. Or yeah. 22. Yeah. I would love to see what the actual stats on are, are Chad. It's got to be like less than yeah. 10% of the time. Unless I completely agree with you. Guys bring it out of the end zone and get to the 17-yard yeah. yeah. line. All the time. Yeah. It, takes your, it takes away your chance to pin those guys deep. That's actually what it does, absolutely, Chad. Yeah. I mean, how many times is the drive going to ever start inside their team's 10-yard line, man? Very uh-huh. rarely. And when it does, you're yeah. probably going to be talking about a new kickoff returner the next time they roll out there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So So I think you'll see. It'll be interesting. So, see, kickers will. Kickers have lots of time on their hands. They're going to start. <laughs> they will start devising squib kicks. I think uh, yep. orchestrated squib kicks to try to get that same effect is my prediction on this. Which that might be a little interesting at least. Mark, are they changing the rules on kickoffs out of bounds at all? I don't believe I don't that. So. Yeah, I don't think so either. Any more rules? And Chad, we have got a couple folks that want to weigh in on the kickoffs thing. Maybe we'll get to these before we talk about. Some yeah, let's stuff, do that. Okay? And I just got a couple of rules right. I want to go through. Jeff, thanks for giving us a call here on Hawk Central. How are you? I'm good, guys. Hey, I'm a high school official, and it has been a rule for quite some time that you can fair catch a kickoff. Um, it's always been in the rule book. It just doesn't happen very often, but it's always been a rule that you can fair catch a kickoff. Where do you get the ball to do that? What's that? Where, where does the ball get placed, Jeff? So that's the new wrinkle. The new wrinkle is the ball goes to the 25, but right. it used to be just like a punt. You got the ball where you caught it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see that in college, actually, sometimes, too, with, yeah. if a I'm fullback is... They tried to do that <laughs> pop-up onside kick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's a good point. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate the call, sir. Thank you, Jeff. Yep. So, What, to, are the, what other rules were there, Chad? Anything else that was interesting? Yeah, there's, um, there's three minor rules that I just wanted to mention. Um, because this could affect, I think will affect the game and, and maybe the Hawkeyes. This one in particular, uh, offensive players will not be allowed to block below the waist when the block occurs more than five yards beyond the line of scrimmage. So I just point that out now because Kirk Ferentz has been known to. <laughs> We're gonna get, he's going to have three touchdowns called back this year because of that, right? Is that what yeah, you're predicting? I think something's going to happen. <laughs> no, but it is a rule, but, uh, you know, um, they they do a lot of blocking below the waist. Iowa does. I mean that's, I mean legal blocking. Right now that changes. Okay. Um, another rule that's just interesting. We don't have to talk about it. A ten-second runoff will be added when an instant replay overturns a ruling on the field inside of one minute in either half. 
and the correct ruling would have not stopped the game clock. That has long been a pet peeve of mine. When yeah, the replay official right. stops the game to look at something. Essentially giving essentially more of the team a free timeout. And, yeah, yeah. stops the clock, gets them lined up at the – you know. Yep. So good rules change there. Good job, Mark Emmert, over there at the NCAA. And then, uh, yeah, penalty enforcement on successful field goals will mirror extra points. So now you can, if you make a field goal and somebody's offsides, you can enforce it on the kickoff like the past. And then the other rule, the main rule I wanted to at least talk about if we have time, I don't know if we have time. we got time, yeah. Was the red shirt. Yeah, so I was rule. wondering if you're the eligibility thing. Yeah, yeah that's Go a good ahead. one. Go ahead, Ross. So you can tee it up. Here's the way this goes. They're, they're, make sure I've got this right, Chad. Allowing freshmen to redshirt in four years has been tabled, but could be voted on in June and enacted for this next season. Mm-hmm. So what they're talking about here, explain to us what they mean by uh, allowing freshmen to redshirt in four years. Uh, no, you can play four. I'm sorry, I might have typed it wrong there. Uh, four games, you can play oh, four sorry, games. Four games, yes. and uh, And still retain red four years status. of eligibility. Right. Yeah, you can still redshirt. Yeah. So, Goes back. Some Hawkeye fans will remember one, by the way. a lot of times at bowl season we talk about Chuck Long played in five mm-hmm. bowl games. Right. That used to be a rule that the freshmen that had redshirted could play in the bowl game and it didn't affect their eligibility. Now they've just expanded that to four games. Well, they haven't done it yet, obviously, to be clear. Talking this about is, it. But okay. it has widespread support among the American yeah. Football Coaches Association, so I think there's a really good chance that it will pass. Uh, I kind of have mixed feelings on it, honestly. I mean, I see, I see the plus size, but I also see um, the potential the abuse. Potential, yeah, abuse. Yeah, of it. That, well, there 100 percent will be abuse of this thing. <laughs> That's no, <laughs> no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah, but I think it's a good thing. Do you? Yeah, I really do. And I, and I, I would even be open to the idea of allowing these guys a fifth year of eligibility if that's. I mean, and I mean, everybody. Hmm. That, that's essentially what's going to happen here. You're going to get your guys. There's going to be the A.J. Epinesas that they look around and say, this kid's too good to keep on the sideline yeah. for the first seven games of the season, get him out there. But I think you're going to see what you're worried about, seeing the abuse of this, 100%. They're going to loophole the crap out of this thing, right, Mark? <laughs> well, that's what they do. Yeah. It's hard to find an edge. I do think it's a good rule, and I tell you that Kirk Ferentz is very much in favor of it because uh, I think it would really help a development, developmental program like his you yeah. know, to be able to – some guys in late in the season to get them some seasoning without having to worry about burning in their redshirt years. Do you so. think it changes the way that they use redshirts a lot, Mark? I mean, I don't imagine. It oh, seems like so. Iowa has been pretty uh, conservative with their redshirt usage anyway. Do you think that this right. changes that? Yeah, I do. Okay. I think you see a lot more guys playing. Yeah, absolutely. In some of those like early season or late season games that are out of hand a little bit, or you know, when injuries happen and you got to wonder, do I really want to pull a redshirt off this kid, or do I want to try something else? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this gives them the, the flexibility to just go ahead and pull the red, you know, or not have to worry about the red shirt. I mean, you can just play the kid two or three games, put him in a bowl game like yeah. uh, Chuck Long. I think that's that's great. Yeah. Why not? I li- I do like that part. Like I said, I like that part. I think I do like that part of it. Okay. Um, like, for example, there's a great example. that If this gets enacted this year, totally different conversation about how they what they do with Spencer Petrus this year, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he could get, he's your backup he for the could last take, half of the season. He could take, uh, you know, four games. Let's say he's better than Peyton Manziel, but they don't want to burn his red shirt. And, if, and right. he's a... Uh, like they do with Stanley. Yeah, right. He could play. Mm-hmm. Maybe he plays in four emergency situations, whatever, four and games, doesn't lose eligibility. Four games for a backup quarterback is about right for Coach Ferentz. Yeah. So, yeah, right. So, I don't know. I'm just saying that's an example where it would help. Would have, yeah. that's I think that's the intent of the rule. I'm just saying you're going to have 
Um, yeah. You know, so this Chad this saving thing, these studs for it's big been games tabled, but then that committee is going to get back together in the summer. Yep, there mm-hmm. is a potential that we have this rule in play by yeah. August. Yeah, okay. that's what, and it seems like it's got a lot of support. So Interesting. That's, that's why I bring That'll it be up. Fun to watch. I, I think it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an ACC proposal, but I think uh, it's got a lot of support, like Chad says. Yeah. Maybe we're going to have Ken O'Keefe with us next week. We're mm-hmm. going to be on from five thirty to about six fifteen, six twenty next week. Ken O'Keefe will be with us. We'll be interested to talk to him about this because the quarterback situation yeah, is probably right. the best example of how the Hawkeyes could yeah, could utilize that. Point. When we get back, some basketball notes to tie up, uh, some Ahmad Wagner stuff. I would love to get Mark's take on Brady Ellingson coming to Drake um, and then some other news for the Hawkeyes. Where are we with DJ Carton? Some basketball notes to wrap up Hawk Central with Chad Lysico and Mark Emmert here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. It's Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNR. We're wrapping up Hawk Central here on a Wednesday afternoon. Appreciate you being a part of the program. We only have about 10 minutes left, so if there's something you'd like to get off your chest from Mark or Chad, do it now. 515-284-5966. thought we'd wrap up in the last 10, 11 minutes here talking a little bit of hoops. There's some things I'd, uh, I feel like we should probably get people up to speed on. Chad, real quick, any update on Ahmad Wagner? Yeah, I think some people were hoping to see him in the spring game this week at Iowa. Right. Just at least be in there. But he's going to take an official visit to Kentucky is what uh, Rivals is, has reported. Um, so uh, it looks like he's he's got, you know, he's got more – he's got a connection to one of the coaches there. Uh, and also it sounds like uh, these schools are also in the, in the running for him as a football player we're talking about now. Uh, uh, in addition to Kentucky, uh, Louisville, Cincinnati, and Akron. Hawkeye so, fans would spin on their heads if Ahmad Wagner left and went to play basketball at Kentucky. No, I yeah, right. Really wonder no, what we're the talking heck about football. I think there. Kentucky fans would do. Uh, <laughs> right, great point, Mark. So uh, that that saga is ongoing. We have not uh, gotten any answers there, and he's he's looking at his options. Last time we talked, we when we did some basketball stuff, it was because we were just off the banquet, and you guys had that really weird night with. Cordell Pemsel, uh, Tyler Cook wasn't necessarily chatting with you, but Cordell Pemsel was very non-committal about the following season. But Chad, while we were getting on, or Mark, while we were getting on the air, Iowa actually came out with their own kind of press releases regarding these situations. Did, did how did you react to those? Did those change your opinion on Cook or Pemsel at all? I'm sorry, you're talking to me. Yeah. Um, I thought it was odd. I mean, I think it was obvious what they were doing is they were obviously were trying a little bit of a spin there uh, after uh, Chad's story came out, uh, knowing that how that looks. Uh, and, and obviously, Chad's story got a lot of attention. Um, but, uh, I mean, it didn't change anything. For, in my mind, it didn't change anything in terms of Cook. He basically just said, you know, he hasn't decided yet or whatever. He's still, he doesn't have one foot out the door or whatever, whatever he, I can't remember what his quote was, but, uh, but that's fine. We we knew he hadn't decided. He just didn't talk to us about it. If he if he had said that quote to us, the quote that he gave to the the university, everything would have been fine. And then uh, about Pemsel, I think to me, um, I do think that uh, he had kind of a change of heart, realized how he how he sounded and what he said. And I think he I think he is. And I talked to Prime McCaffrey the next day also, and I think I think he is kind of more firmly back in the fold and, and probably is not looking to leave. It would be my take on it, Chad. Um, yeah, I think uh, the Cook thing, um, you know, he's, he sounded – there was nothing new in this in that article okay. um, other than, right. you know, he's still working out with, with the Iowa team, um, with the other guys. Um, and then Pemsel's – what was just kind of comical was the 
uh, Penzel in, in the story, you know, and you can see the video on, on uh, hawkcentral.com, so it's not like, you know, you can see the quotes for yourselves in video. Uh, you know, he, talk, he talked about he's, he's going to do what's best for him on and off the floor, um, you know, make a decision after he finishes academic degree, or not degree, but work this year. And then in the, in the university story it says, uh, Iowa is a place I believe I can grow not only on the floor but off the floor. <laughs> So that quote was uh, obviously in the so d- direct con- con- contradiction to. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. So, and I think I do think he's he's he might have been. I don't want to say messing around. But we 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 hypothesized that could be one yeah, of the things. Right. That I think he might have been floating something out there, and it yeah. didn't go over too well with the head. Coach. Yeah, I don't think he realized how it was going to play with the fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so I do believe that's true. So I I do have live and learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'll be back, but you never know. I think if Cook's gone, uh, a real good chance he's back. Yeah. Mark, one of the things Hawkeye fans will get a chance to do, we didn't know last week, is you'll get a chance to uh, just drive down the road and see Brady Ellingson play a couple games next year. He decides he's coming to Drake. I think that's a great get for Drake, and I think that's a wonderful fit for for Brady Ellingson. Was this something that you you thought was on the radar at all? Yeah, I mean, anytime anybody leaves, Iowa or single even Iowa, you always hear from people and say, going, we should be great at you and I and Drake. They yeah. always say that. Everybody, it's the first thing they go to. Uh, he's a terrific student. Uh, we know that. He's, a, he's an academic all Big Ten. He's been, I think he's been on the dean's list every time, every time he's been here, every quarter or semester. So uh, that, that, that part makes sense as well. I think it's a, it's a good style of play for him. There's a new coach there. He just, he's just a guy that is, he just needs a fresh start. I mean, that's just obvious from last year. He wasn't he wasn't shooting the ball. He looked like he'd lost his confidence. I know he had a concussion at one point. He just was not the player he was as a junior that he was as a sophomore. And so uh, this gives him a chance to maybe go somewhere else, a little little bit lower level of competition, but still very good competition, and see if he can find that stroke back and really just get his confidence back. I think he's I think he's a good player at the Valley level, and and uh, you know his shooting we've seen is, can be great. So I think he's got a chance to you know be a double digit scorer there. Yeah, couldn't agree more, Chad. I, I think this is a great fit for Brady, and I hope that uh, that. He gets the playing time, the chances. I think he can make yeah, a big impact there. Yeah, absolutely. I wish Iowa was playing him next year, actually. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, it would be. DJ Carton, anything that we need to update folks on uh, on this? This is a young man from Bettendorf, the point guard that's highly recruited, and as uh, our buddy Matt Bain has been mm-hmm. telling us, he is shooting up the rankings uh, mm-hmm. for that 2019 class. Yeah, he keeps picking up more offers. Uh, he told Matt, uh, I think, uh, that uh, USC and Virginia are now in the mix. He also got an Indiana offer this week, and I know he's he's been pretty he's high. Been. Michigan, that's right. That's a, that was another recent offer, um, but I guess just most notably that um, Iowa had its in home with with DJ this week, uh, Fran McCaffrey, et cetera, the same day as Wisconsin's Greg Gard did. So <laughs> would have been fun to see uh, Fran waiting in the driveway to fly to Greg little, Gard fly on the wall for that. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, and then another big uh, big six foot nine target, um, Trace Jackson Davis out of Indianapolis. They have a real good relationship with. He's a He's a top 30 guy on the verge of five stars, Matt Bain says, but uh, he's really close to Patrick McCaffrey and Andrew Francis. So wow, nice. It seems like recruiting is – they're swinging for the fences is the way Matt put it to me um, in basketball recruiting. Yep. So we'll see if they hit. Let's see if they hit a home run. You never know. I like to hear that, and though. One more scholarship in that year now. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's why he's banking it, I think, you know. Two eight four five nine six six. If you'd like to get in on the final five minutes, our buddy Anthony will join us here to help us wrap it up. What's up, Anthony? How are you, buddy? Hey, pretty good, guys. How are you guys doing this evening? Good, doing Anthony. all right, man. What do you want to share with us, Anthony? Yeah, uh, with spring pack. Uh, yeah, spring 
uh, games going to be coming up this coming weekend. My concern is for this year's football program is is the health of the team. Is this team going to be ready to be compete again this year? And I'll uh, just hang up a listen and uh, go Hawks. Thanks, Thanks An- guys. Thanks, Anthony. Chad, what do you know about health of the team? Are there any any big injuries out there we should be concerned about? Well, you know that's actually uh, Mark and I were just talking about this. We were in. Yep. Um, it seems like every spring there's one big injury. A couple of years ago, I remember it was Jake Doozy got injured that's in the right last there. next to last practice of spring, and then last year uh, we talked about we got to Valley Stadium and found out sure. Brandon Snyder had, had torn his ACL. That's right. And so, so far, yeah. no major injuries this spring for the Hawkeyes, but. Spring practice is not yet over, so that's something we'll keep an eye on Friday night um, at Friday night's uh, spring practice, not a game. 7 p.m., Kinnick Stadium. All right, let's do the final three minutes here. What's something that you're really looking forward to on Saturday? Is there a question? Or Friday, I'm sorry. Is there a question that you're looking to see answered? Mark Emmert, how do you want to answer this question? Do you want to tell me what your headline, or you think your headline is going to be Saturday morning? What are you trying to well, answer as you go to this game Friday night? Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, I, I'm really curious now to see Imani Jones and, and, and kind of his control of that defense, his command in that middle linebacker spot, if he mm-hmm. really be the next Josie Jewell. Because I think, I think we all know physically, I mean, he may even be you know, more of a impressive than Jewell physically. But uh, there's so much leadership that has to go on there and, and, and command and vocal, you know, leadership you have to show so i'm really curious to watch him uh kind of be out there and take command of that defense chad you know uh we, we've referenced it a little bit earlier at the one thing i'm actually most interested in and you guys might laugh at me but uh backup quarterback i just want to see these guys that was on my that's that's near the that top i think one. yeah, yeah I don't, I, that's a great one i mean one of these guys could be you know in control of the team for some big 10 games if nate stanley gets hurt i mean there's uh just want to see some confidence there maybe in Peyton Manziel. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I, w- I would be looking for. And we just haven't really seen these guys. We don't even I don't even really know what their skill sets are beyond what we've read on recruiting websites. So um, just very curious to see them, interested to see what the future might be like yeah. at that position, um, the, the most critical position, as we learned yesterday in the football program by far. I guess if there's one, and I, I know it's it's silly to project out from the spring game to anything that's going to happen in the fall, but I'd love to know which one of these receivers Nate mm-hmm. Stanley has the most chemistry with. Who he, you know, is there somebody that shows up in spring that it, you can tell they've done a lot of off-season timing together? Is that Brandon Smith? Is it Smith Marset? Is it Noah Fant? As I know that's kind of a strange one, but just kind of how the hierarchy of that of that receiving core is going to break out. Who's Nate Stanley's biggest targets going to be outside of, of Noah fan? Cause I think that's, yeah, Nick Easley, obviously will be in the mix, but, right there. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll see Gronawig, right? Yeah. That's that's a guy. Kyle Gronawig has gotten, yeah. uh, never seen him play in my life. Uh, so that'll oh. be supposedly number 92. Yeah. That's much odd for a receiver, but <laughs> he, uh, he sounds nifty. Good word, Chad Lysico. Good word to wrap up Hawk Central. (laughs) Mark, thanks for the time, man. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Thank you, gentlemen. And we should tell him, Chad, you guys might have actually a spring game podcast up here, right? Yeah, post-scrimmage podcast is the plan. Uh, So look for that in your Hawk Central feeds. Tomorrow morning, morning rush, 6 a.m. right here on 1460 KXNO.